If you are ready to change the way people experience the transition to parenthood, you've come to the right place. On this podcast, we interview postpartum professionals, academics and researchers, as well as parents with unique perspectives on postpartum. Whether you've been working with new families for decades or are brand new to postpartum care, we'd love you to join us. I'm your host, Julia Jones. Hello and welcome to Newborn Mothers Podcast. Today I'm interviewing one of my students, Emma Lyon, who lives in Canberra. She's a new postpartum doula who was very inspired by her own personal journey in motherhood. Um, and I was really inspired by your story, Emma Lyon, and I felt like it was, you've shared some very honest and, and beautiful coincidences and um, emotional experiences that you had and I felt like a lot of those experiences were probably fairly universal like I think a lot of mums listening at home who are wondering whether or not they could be a postpartum doula um, you know whether or not they could make a difference um, for mums would be inspired by your story so uh, I invited you on to share Uh, do you want to introduce yourself Yep, so my name's Emmeline Tyler and I live in Canberra. I have one child who's 21 months, I think, and a husband. And I've just graduated from the Newborn Mothers Mm -hmm. Collective course and joined the membership. And, yeah, I'm starting out as a postpartum doula. And... All those years ago, because it was quite a long time ago. 2017. Yeah, so, well, two and a, yeah, two years ago. Yeah. So when you had your baby and you were going through that experience yourself, what was your, what was your experience? What was it like? So I had been married for a couple of years and wanted to have a baby, but we hadn't... Um, started yet and then got accidentally pregnant and I found out I was pregnant when I was three weeks into a two-month fieldwork trip in the Northern Territory. (laughs) (laughs) What did you do? What was your Um, career? A linguist. Oh wow. Um, So I was working as a research assistant um, looking at land tenure in Arnhem Land. Oh fascinating. So that was a pretty intense place to have my first trimester. (laughs) My husband was with me fortunately and he actually, he was there as a plus one but then he got hired when I was too sick to do all my duties so he took over some of them even though he he just was doing like, not just, but like he was doing data management and he was better at it than me. But we were living in like, at one point I had to change houses because the house we were in was like, smelt disgusting and couldn't get the smell out (laughs) Mm -hmm. I was vomiting all the time and it was yeah full on and also because I've got Asperger's it was really hard for me that I was accidentally pregnant even though it was something that I wanted so it was hard for me to connect um, with the baby and with what was happening and even when we went to the doctor I said so I'm pregnant and (laughs) the doctor didn't know how to react was like is that a good thing or? <laughs> yeah, it's a difficult thing. Even when it's a wanted baby but not a planned baby, it's still that feeling of being out of control and how much change. It's, it can be very overwhelming. 
Yeah, and like she wasn't sure if I was coming in to ask for an abortion or antenatal care, I think. (laughs) (laughs) And so then we got back to Canberra and that was really nice to be in my own space again and I signed up. Well, actually, I went to a Satchananda yoga class when I was visiting my parents and the yoga teacher said, oh, you've got to do Satchananda yoga. It's really good. I was like, okay. So I just Googled it in Canberra and found one locally and went into the first class and um, we did like a meditation where we connected with the baby and I had a really emotional experience and I was like connecting with the baby for the first time. So that was like really beautiful and it helped me. Like it helped me throughout the pregnancy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Often it's just that, that time, isn't it? Like when you're sick or you're busy with work or in a strange environment and those kind of things. But then if you can actually spend that time just being with the baby, that can make a big difference. And especially because it's um, by the second trimester, there's a bit more, seemed to me like more of a presence there. Because um, I couldn't yes. start yoga until the second trimester. trimester yeah. And what were your thoughts about postpartum care at that time? Had you given much attention to a bit after the baby's born? Were you just focused on the birth? No, I hadn't given, hadn't given any thought to postpartum. I'd barely processed the pregnancy. <laughs> <laughs> and then thinking about I was probably very focused on the birth. And then Vedanta, the yoga teacher, she would give these mini workshops in every class, which I really liked because I liked getting my brain involved was my favourite part because I'm just an academic and the whole body stuff was a bit hard for me, (laughs) Uh, even though it was really good. But I loved learning. And um, one week she gave a talk about postpartum care and a bit of an overview about traditional cultures and special food to eat. Um, And she talked about your book, your recipe book, and said it's only available in ebook form. Um, but has really good stuff. And she also gave us a recipe for um, rice pudding for the first meal after giving birth. They said that the stuff they give you in hospital is rubbish. <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, right, I've got to get the good stuff. And she, she made us go around the circle and say what resources we were going to draw on, like what people we were going to ask for help. And it was the first time that I actually thought about asking my mother-in-law for help because my family is four hours drive away or in or seven hours away but my parents are four hours away and but my husband's parents live locally in Canberra like thinking back she was probably already planning how she was going to help us but I hadn't thought of it as an option Mm. it really helped me to reframe things and even be clear about um expectations yeah, I love that. A little bit of a speak, being a little bit sidetracked, but something you said there just gave me a thought when you were saying how being academic helped you to do the body stuff. You know, when people say that some people will learn better when they're moving, like jiggling or, or rocking or spinning or whatever, and in the classroom when they try and make kids stay still, they can't learn. I was like, what if it's also the other way around that yeah. people with very active brains actually need to have some intellectual stimulation in order to be able to like calm their body or do certain, you know, stretches and be disciplined enough to do some physical work, some yeah. body work too. That's a good so thought. I, hadn't, I hadn't thought of it that way, but yeah, it's a good point. Yeah. Well, when you said it, I think I'm a bit like that too. I often listen to like podcasts and things when I'm exercising because I find that then 
if my brain's being used, then I can, mm. yeah, get my body moving too. Um, and so did you kind of, it's that Vedanta's amazing and we'll have to include her link in the show notes um, for anyone who lives in Canberra. But did that really give you a good preparation? You know, a lot of people say, oh, nothing can prepare you for having a baby. And I don't love that because I feel like it's a bit of a cop-out. I feel like we should at least try. Um, <laughs> so do you feel that that helped to prepare you for having a baby or was it still like totally like a surprise what that experience was when it finally happened? So it's funny you say that because I've actually written a blog post about that idea of nothing can prepare <laughs> you because everyone talks about it in a very negative way. And my experience was what I came to understand as baby bliss or birth bliss. Um, and so nothing could have prepared me for how much I loved it. <laughs> and yes. I loved period. And when... So there's a podcast I listen to a lot and the host of it had a hard time and she describes, she said it several times with different people she's interviewing and she said, I think of that time as hell. Those first three weeks were hell to me. And I'm like, oh, wow, that just so my experience. Three weeks was when he started like crying for four hours a night. That was hell. Yeah, <laughs> the first yeah. three weeks was just bliss. So, yeah, when I was pregnant, I got really obsessed and again that's the aspiness I got obsessed with proper postpartum care and um I was smiling before when you were talking about your book because I was thinking about um how many copies of it that I've printed (laughs) (laughs) and literally this morning I was going through papers and found out and found another big sheaf of papers (laughs) and printed it out Um, and I really, this, I think we said that before we hit record because yeah. for listeners who haven't been around for a long time, my book now you can get in bookstores all over the world. But when it was first published, I had printed copies in my house, but it was difficult to get them around. Um, so a lot of people would buy the ebook and print it out like Emmeline. <laughs> <laughs> Several copies. Um, and I went shopping at an Indian supermarket and bought all the spices and everything I needed. And um, I, I cooked some meals for myself beforehand and I was really anxious about, I didn't know how to ask people for help because my mum said that it was not really okay to give specific requests about, you know, if, if someone's going to cook me a meal, it's a bit inappropriate to just hand them a recipe book and say it must be from here. So I was probably a bit locked on about it, but it was really good because my sister um, had just moved to Canberra and she was um, looking for work, but her partner already had a nine-to-five job. And so her nine-to-five job was just coming over all the time and cooking for us. So she was like an unpaid, yeah, she was basically an unpaid postpartum doula. That makes me so happy because I wrote that recipe book with exactly that in mind, that anyone could be a doula and, you, you know, that anyone who loved you and cared for you, like your sister, or your mum or your best friend, that they could kind of have that book and that would be a kind of guide to, um, you know, people in cultures where we've lost touch with our own traditional postpartum care, that there's like this quick, quick, you know, guide to getting started as a doula. So I'm so glad that worked for you. Yeah, totally. <laughs> she would have, it was good for her too because she would have been quite lonely otherwise and she got to come over and um, play with the baby and... Uh, she loves cooking, so that was really good. So she would come out, like she cooked 
for me and I took um, the rice pudding into hospital and ate it straight after the birth. And the midwives estimated that I'd lost 700 mil of blood. And so they had to keep me in longer. Like we were trying to get out as soon as possible after the birth, but they had to keep in longer to get results from um, my iron test because I'd lost so much blood and it was really high. So I was like, yay, (laughs) magic rice pudding. (laughs) But then she'd come over every day, make a big batch of rice pudding and I'd eat it throughout the day. Yeah, that's great. And then what was the, the like transition for you from having that beautiful personal experience and doing all that research and having all that understanding yourself and lived experience to then deciding you wanted to help other mums? So I was just, as I said, quite obsessed with postpartum care. And so anytime anyone was having a baby, I was like, they must have the rice pudding and um, <laughs> they must get proper care. And so I was doing as much as I could. So I had a very close um, friend have a baby and it was her second baby. And she had a planned cesarean um, because of medical reasons. And, and so I kept asking her, like when <laughs> I was trying not to harass her, but I was asking her, oh, have they scheduled the cesarean yet? Um, because I really wanted her to have this rice pudding as soon as the baby was born. Um, and then I ended up being able to bring her over um, rice pudding five days after the baby was born on the day she got home from hospital. And she texted me and said, oh, could you donate some breast milk? Because um, the baby's having trouble breastfeeding and the um, hospital has advised us to top up with formula. And so that wasn't her ideal. She didn't want to give formula, but... Um, She felt like she had to go with what the hospital was recommending. And so I was like, yep, sure. And I grabbed this breast pump that I'd hardly ever use because I hate pumping Um, and some lactation tea that my sister had made but um, (laughs) that I had drunk and so not needed (laughs) (laughs) because they made made my boobs explode kind of. (laughs) Anyway, and I was like, well, I don't need this. So I um, brought it over as well. We rushed over and she was quite stressed because her milk hadn't come in yet. And she was still on colostrum. And so I just set myself up where I could find the um, PowerPoint um, and the breast pump and pumped so much milk and gave her the rice pudding and a cup of lactation tea. And she was like set up like a queen. You're probably familiar with it, the the breastfeeding mother in her couch with her food on one side and her drink on the other side. (laughs) Yeah, just like the illustration on my second book cover, which was exactly inspired by that idea, you know, that there's all of the hands and the food and the tea and the support and everything and then the mother's just in the centre with the baby. (laughs) Beautiful, beautiful image. Um, Yeah, and oxytocin in the room was just palpable. Like there was so much. It was really beautiful. And um, I gave her the expressed milk and then we left soon after and she texted me that night saying, my milk is flowing, magical rice pudding. And so I think it was probably a combination of all the things, but um, I think particularly the stress of not giving her baby formula as well and the love of um, special friends together. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I don't know how else to say it. 
Are you listening to this awesome interview with a postpartum professional and thinking that this might be your calling in life too? Do you believe postpartum care could be a respected, valued and well-paid profession but feel frustrated and don't know where to start? Newborn Mothers Collective is online worldwide postpartum training and professional development with over a thousand students from 40 different countries around the world. We value human rights, scientific evidence and diversity and we'd love you to join us at newbornmothers.com. No, I agree. And you know, like it's not really magic rice pudding for people listening, but <laughs> but kind of my my conclusion of all the research I've done of different cultures is that there are very very specific um, food rules for for new mums in different cultures, and they don't all agree with each other. But I think what I've kind of drawn from that my interpretation of that is that these rules are a bit complicated because it then it requires the community to come together and cook for the mum and it's not necessarily that the food itself is magic but it's the community coming together to care for the mum is the magic and like you were saying that oxytocin in that room it's a really um transformative experience to have that kind of love and and support around you when you when you're trying to figure out you know this whole new mum thing Mm. yeah so i love that Mm. How how did you get the confidence then, again, from going from having a personal experience to helping a friend to then deciding I want this to be my profession? Because a lot of people get really stuck there. They feel like they're not experienced enough, they're not good enough, they're not old enough, they're not thin <laughs> enough, you know, like whatever the reason is everyone's got, well, not everyone, a lot of people have these kind of stories that mean that they're not able to just make that leap into saying I I could be a professional, I could be paid for this. So what was it for you that made you do that? So at first it came to me as a personal project or like as a a volunteer idea and partially for the sake of self-interest. So we were thinking about having another kid, um, but when when our first baby was born, my husband was um, working very casually from home so only 10 hours a week with the same organisation. And um, so he was around all the time and it wasn't until the baby was six, seven months old that he got a job as an airline pilot and then was working full-time hours but, like, shift work, so a bit all over the place. And that was really hard for me to adjust to. Still an ongoing adjustment to be to have so much um, childcare and household responsibility. But when I thought about adding a baby into the mix and with him having limited time off, so like the norm would be two weeks would be acceptable or less in his company and he would want to spring for six, but that would be like asking a lot. And so I'm thinking how like even six weeks would go by in a flash and then I'm stuck at home with a baby and a toddler. Um, and so I actually had an idea to have like a community sort of, I can't even really describe what it was now. I wanted to mobilize, I guess I wanted to mobilize my village and, um, create more, um, clear frameworks around supporting each other. So maybe like a WhatsApp group and like offering babysitting to each other all that sort of thing. Um, and I even had a name for it. I was going to call it Project Village. Um, 
So that's what I was thinking about. And then I just got so burnt out. Not, I didn't do anything towards that, but just burnt out from life. And I was really down and I was just thinking, I just can't, I just can't do this. I can't have another baby. Like it's just way too much. And I was working at that time. I changed jobs and I was working, um, doing language archiving, um, which was really great, but it was getting very tiring because I was either at home or I was working, doing this work that was for someone else. And I'd have one day a week that my mother-in-law would look after my child and I would use that time for writing or just going to appointments or doing admin. And I felt like that was like my gasp for air that time and it was always too short. And I thought, this is it, like I have to quit my job. I'm going to work for myself as a writer because that's my thing too, I'm a writer. And, and so I knew that the project I was doing was like finishing up soon. And so I was like preparing for it and thinking through how I was going to do this, but I had no idea how to do it because there's not really a market for the kind of writing that I do. Like I just wanted to write what I wanted to write and, um, but I didn't, I couldn't understand if anyone would pay me for it, especially enough to be able to support our family. It's, it's as much money as I needed to be able to bring in. Um, and then I had a couple of weeks off from work just because of things weren't ready for me to do the work and I was casual. So I was like at home anyway on daycare days. And so I had just what I wanted, but I was like, it's too much time to write anyway. (laughs) (laughs) Like he's in daycare for eight hours for a day, like for two days a week. I, I, I can like tidy the house. Like I do maybe maybe I'd take 45 minutes to write a thousand words and then what do I do with the rest of the day so I think oh maybe like I need to volunteer like at a local up shop to like do something with my time anyway thinking through all these things and then one day I just woke up and it was like so obvious to me that I needed to be a postpartum doula and I even already had a business name which was Project Village um (laughs) so that was really I love it yeah, yeah. So it reminded me of, I don't know if you've read the book Jane Eyre, but she wakes up and she's got a, a like a fairy has left an idea on her pillow is how she describes it. So that's what it was like for me. I woke up and I was like, I'm going to be a post- postpartum doula. But I wasn't even like confident to call myself a doula. I was like, oh no, I won't be a post, I won't call myself a doula because they're like really professional. <laughs> <laughs> I was just like, do all the things that a postpartum doula does, but like not use the label. (laughs) (laughs) I knew people could relate to this story. (laughs) Um, I'm sure there's so many people listening going like, oh yeah, I've had those thoughts. (laughs) (laughs) And I just went on an idea frenzy for about a week. And my poor husband was just like reeling. Like he was very excited as well and very supportive, but just like, didn't even know what was going on because I just had so many ideas and was just talking about it nonstop. Um, and like, for example, at one point I said, Oh, it'd be great because I can bring um, Finley along too. Who's our son. Um, and I could, then I completely forgot about that. And then later he was like, Oh, we only need to put Finley in daycare for like one day next year. I'm like, what are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> but I would completely forgotten that I'd said that. And then, 
obviously very quickly moved on from the idea that you could bring a toddler to a um, postpartum doula visit. Um, but anyway, that was the kind of frenzy that I was in. And he said, look, okay, like you just need to like do a course or something. (laughs) He's like channel this energy into something. (laughs) Basically. Yeah. Um, and so I looked online to try and find one and, um, so I came across, I, I, I remembered that I'd found a brochure for a mother's circle that looked really amazing and then I looked her up on her website and I was thinking, oh, yes, I must do this because I was um, at that point thinking about having a baby soon. I was like, yes, I must join this mother's circle. It sounds like a great thing to do. And I'd been on her website and it was all, like, really beautiful and just, like, a calming place to be. <laughs> and and so I, I found the details for this woman and looked her up and it was Antonia Anderson and actually like weird side note my husband's been to her house because um and uh, the friend of ours who had a baby recently wanted to get the swing set on the buy nothing group and we have a trailer so he picked it up for her and and set it up (laughs) oh wow what a small world I know but I don't think he even met her um like he just was out in her yard and then he grabbed it anyway so that's Canberra for you um And so I went to her beautiful website and I looked at the bottom and it said Newborn Mothers Collective. And so I Googled that. And then I found this course that was about to, like, last one for the year, Countdown Timer. (laughs) 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 My husband's like, that's so 90s. (laughs) (laughs) But in a good way. (laughs) For me. Well, it does work. I've got to say, we've done things without... I used to have my course open all the time and enrolments were really low. And then when we have the countdown timer, people are like, quick, I've got to do it now. <laughs> so we did. We um, like worked out the finances, made it happen, and then I had somewhere to channel all my energy into. And I guess now here I am. Yeah, I love it. That's There's so many little... Um, Yeah, little serendipitous moments along that journey. I also love, so in terms of overcoming your confidence, it sounds like you were just a little bit like had your back up against the wall. And I think that happens to a lot of women too. A lot of us, myself included, would be more than happy to do this for free. I don't, you know, I'm not motivated to be a doula by money. If I wanted to be rich, that's not the job I would choose. (laughs) Um, However, I've had similar experiences that without doing it for money, I burn out too quickly and it would become unsustainable for me and my family and I simply wouldn't be able to do it in the long run so um you know sometimes it's not necessarily that we feel really confident it's more that we either do it for money or we don't do it at all and that's you know that's just kind of like that's where it's at so yeah I can definitely relate to that um and also those little moments where it feels like a calling as well where you wake up and, and go like this is it. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like the idea had already been calling me, but I'd misinterpreted it as a volunteer thing or as something just for myself. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. I remember my very first paying doula client. I, um, I tucked her into bed after a massage. Her baby fell asleep during the massage. I gave her a massage and tucked her into bed. And then I quietly, um, 
cleaned up the kitchen because I'd cooked her lunch and crept out of the house while they were all sleeping. And that oxytocin was just like, again, the same thing. The whole house was just had a completely different vibe um, than when I'd arrived. It was so calming and, and peaceful. And that was definitely a moment for me where I was like, yeah, this is it. This is what I'm meant to be um, doing with my life, you know. So we get kind of these little carrots along the way don't we the stick and the carrot that kind of make us go all right this is this is what what it's what's meant to be happening this is right <laughs> yeah totally yeah that's great um so what's next for you um finding clients basically. yeah so at the moment I mean, you said you have a blog but you said earlier you don't have a website so can we read them anywhere um, so I have a personal blog. Um, yeah, okay. And I write, I've written a lot about motherhood on that um, since becoming a mother. And so I have a business Instagram, but I don't yet have a business website. Yeah, sure. Maybe we can share that blog post that you mentioned specifically so people can have a read because I think that's totally. a great topic. Um, cool. So if anyone in Canberra, is looking for a postpartum doula and tell me what what is your you obviously like cooking yeah um sorry could you ask a question yeah sorry <laughs> <laughs> what i didn't finish it what's what's your thing like what's your your unique way of being a doula so um what i'd really like to do is be inclusive to what some people call rainbow families so um, same-sex couples, but also um, trans people who like, maybe have had a baby or maybe partners of um, the birth mother or whatever term you want to use. Um, and also just like working with whole families. So um, being inclusive of fathers and um, female partners. That's really important to me. So... Um, my husband's experience going through the pregnancy um, journey with me was that he was quite marginalised um, and that doesn't help anyone, I think. So, for example, at some point I want to do breastfeeding workshop just for partners. I love that idea. That is yeah. such a great idea. My husband came to the breastfeeding workshop and it was two hours and I pretty much zoned out the whole thing because I was <laughs> baby brain. Um, and later when... I was learning to breastfeed. He was like, oh, you've got to do this and you've got to do that. And I'm like, where'd you learn that? <laughs> he was like, you were sitting there too. <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> Remember that? No. Yeah, so I, people That's have a lot of trouble. That's a great idea. Health services want to know how to get through to pregnant women and when they're in that weird zoned out space. Beautiful, lovely space. but um, Yeah, and partners can often be the protector of that space. You know, if partners... Um, can learn how to be good allies then they can be our best support so that we can stay in that blissed out space and not have to think about everything and remember everything yeah and and where i'm up to in terms of the business step by step is i'm up to market research so i found one pregnant woman to interview and i've got to do four more to re meet, <laughs> meet my requirement <laughs> yes i've set your homework yeah <laughs> That's fantastic. I love that as a niche. I think that's a really, really important um, group of families to be working with. Um, yeah. And if there is anyone in Canberra listening who identifies with what you've been talking about, 
um, we'll make sure that your Instagram account and your blog um, are up there so they can get in touch. Great. Do you have anything else you want to share? Um, no, not really. No, that was awesome. Thank you so much for sharing that. I think that's a really, um, yeah, really inspiring story. And I hope that it helps other women, you know, wherever they are on that sort of step-by-step -step path to becoming a postpartum doula or whatever they want to call it. <laughs> um, I hope it inspires you to just take the next step, whatever that is for you. Yeah, great. Thanks. Thank you so much. See you next time. Okay, bye. Bye. Here at Newborn Mothers, we believe that every family has the right to high quality postpartum care. If you want to join us, learn more at newbornmothers.com. And if you like this podcast, we'd really love you to leave us a five-star review and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts.